Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode in Living Stone, A Chosen People, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Welcome to our summer series titled, What We Need to Know or Reaffirm. Our summer series is sourced in First and Second Peter. Last week, in our episode titled, Purify Your Souls by Obeying the Truth, August 1st, we examined how we live in a sinful state. We willingly, willfully, and sincerely accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in order for us to be saved. We then studied this part of the human spiritual experience, obeying the truth. What does obeying the truth mean? We then closed with a parable of sorts about grass and the flower of the grass. We found it was first spoken in Isaiah and Peter was quoting it in 1 Peter. By examining both passages, we unraveled the meaning of this quoted parable from Isaiah. This week, we will start in verse 4 of chapter 2 in the book of 1 Peter. I will start with a commentary passage. This is because it states something very important. It is a good place to open this path of study. Many are alienated from the gospel because it is not everywhere in favor, but is on the contrary rejected by most men. Peter answers that. Though rejected by men, Christ is peculiarly the stone of salvation honored by God, first so designated by Jacob in his deathbed prophecy. From Robert Jameson, A.R. Fawcett, and David Brown Commentary Critical and Explanatory on the Whole Bible, 1871. Now, our scripture passage in 1 Peter reads, So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but chosen and priceless in God's sight, you yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Look, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and priceless cornerstone, and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. So you who believe see his value. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stumbling stone and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, 
but now you have received mercy. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-10 through 10. Christ here, as often elsewhere, is compared to a stone, and Peter, by the use of this metaphor, shows that he is not the rock, but Christ is the rock on which the church is built, and he is the foundation stone on which every believer is laid. And it is chiefly with respect to the usefulness of a stone in building that Christ is compared to one who is the foundation and cornerstone, as well as for strength and duration. And he is called a living one because he has life in himself as God, as mediator, and as man and communicates life to others, as natural life to all creatures, and spiritual and eternal life to his people, whose great privilege it is to come to him, and by coming to him is meant believing in him, and it does not design the first act of faith on Christ, or a soul's first coming to Christ, but an after and continued exercise of faith on him, and it supposes Christ to become at, notwithstanding he is in heaven and saints on earth, for their faith and hope can enter into and reach him within the veil, and notwithstanding their many transgressions and backslidings, it supposes life in them, or they could not come and a sense of their need of him, of his righteousness to justify them, of his blood for pardoning and cleansing, of his fullness to supply their want of food, rest, peace, comfort, and salvation in him, and a persuasion of his ability and willingness to relieve them, and they are encouraged to come to him under the above considerations as a stone, a foundation stone, believing that he is laid as a foundation and that he is the only foundation, and therefore they lay the whole stress of their salvation and build all their hopes of happiness on him, and as a living stone, deriving grace, life, and strength from him exercising faith on him for all the mercies, blessings, and comforts of a spiritual life and looking to his mercy for eternal life. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Verse 4 allows us to examine the first of two parts of the total sentence found in verses 4 and 5, one of Christ and the other of us. So, starting with verse 4, commentary tells us, Christ here, as often elsewhere, is compared to a stone, and Peter, by the use of this metaphor, shows that he is not the rock, but Christ is the rock on which the church is built, and he is the foundation stone on which every believer is laid and it is chiefly with respect to the usefulness of a stone in building that Christ is compared to one who is the foundation and 
cornerstone, as well as for strength and duration. And he is called a living one because he has life in himself as God, as mediator, and as man, and communicates life to others as natural life to all creatures and spiritual and eternal life to his people. Comparing Christ to a stone, a living stone, is a metaphor or comparative depending on your descriptive choice. Commentary is very definitive with this metaphor as it said, Christ is the rock on which the church is built, and he is the foundation stone on which every believer is laid. And it is chiefly with respect to the usefulness of a stone in building that Christ is compared to one who is the foundation and cornerstone. That is very definitive language. This is why we should be very clear and knowing in this regard with respect to our own lives. This is another point of uncertainty in many lives of those who have come to Christ's salvation in Him. Almost metaphorically, people stumble over this very stone with limited, if any, understanding of it. The problem here is that many of those who stumble over this understanding should know it better so they can walk upright in faith instead of stumbling where they should be sure-footed. Am I implying that Christ is the stumbling stone in Scripture? We will answer that question further on in this study when we come to it later in another episode. More directly to the point, this stone has an identity. Notice, quote, Christ is the rock on which the church is built. He is the foundation stone on which every believer is laid. End quote. That is very direct language with no wiggle room whatsoever. While only a part of Christ's total identity, it is most certainly one of the crucial parts. This is one reason why there is no wiggle room for interpretation of what is being said in Scripture and commentary. We also see that he communicates life to others, that is, spiritual and eternal life to his people. I live every day I wake from my sleep in the morning. How can that life I live be communicated? Yet, commentary told us, he communicates life to others. We can also see his people acquire spiritual and eternal life. What is spiritual life? Notice how that read, spiritual and eternal life to his people. Using the word and, we are reading about two types of life, spiritual life and eternal life. It also appears one cannot have one without the other. I think this last passage from John Gill now properly sums up our thinking 
for a more clear understanding. They lay the whole stress of their salvation and build all their hopes of happiness on Him. And as a living stone, deriving grace, life, and strength from Him, exercising faith on Him for all the mercies, blessings, and comforts of a spiritual life, and looking to His mercy for eternal life. There it is. Two forms of life for the believer creating one perfect life for the believer to live in even though the believer is, while saved in Christ, imperfect. Notice here how the two lives are more distinct. Our spiritual life, simply speaking, provides comfort. Mercy from Christ and God our Father is what brings eternal life. The only thing we know for sure that stands in the way of eternal life is a person's unrepentance. Unrepentant in such a way that one is not saved in Christ or reconciled to Christ so that all our sins are forgiven by Him. So, the question is, do you lay the whole stress of your salvation on Christ and build all your hopes on Christ? for all the mercies, blessings, and comforts of the spiritual life that is in Him? Is He your living stone that you build your life on? Do you derive grace, life, and strength from Him? Do you exercise your faith on Him? Do you look to His mercy for eternal life? All good questions to ask yourself. Now, let's examine verse 5, the second part of our examination of the whole statement found in my Bible. Verse 5 reads, to finish this sentence, you yourselves, as living stones, are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Saints, likewise, are compared to stones. They lie in the same quarry and are the same by nature as the rest of mankind till dug out and separated from thence by the powerful and efficacious grace of God. When they are hewn and made fit for the spiritual building where both for their ornament, beauty, and strength which they receive from Christ they are compared to stones and are lasting and durable and will never perish nor be removed out of the building. And because of that life which they derive from him and have in him, they are called lively or living stones, the spirit of life having entered into them, the principle of life being implanted in them, and coming to Christ, the living stone, they live upon him, and he lives in them, and his grace in them is a wellspring of living water, springing up into eternal life. From 
the new John Keel's exposition of the entire Bible. A quick note here. Notice, commentary told us, when they are hewn and made fit for the spiritual building. The meaning of the word hewn is cut and made smooth or even, chopped, hacked, shaped by cutting or by a chisel. So not only are those saved in Christ dug out of the quarry by Christ, but they are then cut and made smooth or even, chopped, hacked, shaped by cutting or by a chisel, by Christ and our living in Him. This should demonstrate that we are more than saved and done. After being saved by Christ and our salvation in Him, we have work to do and work to be done on us by Christ. But I digress. This is only a portion of a very large commentary entry by John Gill that we will examine this week. This quoted passage opens with a very strong comment. We read, Saints, likewise, are compared to stones. They lie in the same quarry and are the same by nature as the rest of mankind, till dug out and separated from thence by the powerful and efficacious grace of God. Once again, that is a strong statement. It explains why the comparative of those saved in Christ, known as saints, are compared to stones. Before we are saved, we live in the same quarry, the worldly life of unsaved people. We are no different than anyone else in this state. We are the same by nature as the rest of mankind. This only ends when we are dug out and separated from that quarry by the powerful and efficacious grace of God. The interesting part of this is that we initiate this digging out by asking for it. If we do not ask Christ to save us from this pit, we will remain in it until we are found in a greater pit called hell as a permanently unsaved person whose eternal life will now be spent in eternal misery and anguish. If we do not repent now and allow Christ to dig us out and separate us from this life with his powerful and efficacious grace. Folks, this is how and what we are saved from by Christ if we only ask him for it. Yes, you and I must ask to be taken out of the miserable quarry we are found in. This is why his own are considered a peculiar people. To everyone else in that same pit, we are a peculiar people given how we are removed from it by Christ. Not by our own works, which fail us every time we try it ourselves. No, we are raised out of that pit by the work of Christ. We are then called living stones. Commentary on this subject tells us, living stones, the word should have been so rendered. The word lively with us now has a different meaning from living 
and denotes active, quick, sprightly. The Greek word is the same as that used in the previous verse and rendered living. The meaning is that the materials of which the temple here referred to was composed were living materials throughout. The foundation is a living foundation, and all the superstructure is composed of living materials. For those of us who are saved, that's you and me, folks. The purpose of the apostle here is to compare the church to a beautiful temple, such as the temple in Jerusalem, and to show that it is complete in all its parts as that was. It has within itself what corresponds with everything that was valuable in that. It is a beautiful structure like that, and as in that there was a priesthood and there were real and acceptable sacrifices offered. So it is in the Christian church. From Barnes New Testament Notes Notice, we are getting better definition for what a living stone is, which is why it is used for this metaphor or comparative. Notice how the word lively is defined. Active. Quick sprightly. We can therefore conclude there is nothing about those saved in Christ that is slow and even boring. Now, notice the building materials of this theoretical temple that is being built. It has a living foundation. Its entire superstructure is composed of living materials. It is composed of living materials throughout. Meaning, this temple is a living temple. The followers of Christ are this temple because we are built upon the living stone, the cornerstone that is Christ. Remember what commentary previously told us. Saints likewise are compared two stones. They lie in the same quarry and are the same by nature as the rest of mankind, till dug out and separated from thence by the powerful and efficacious grace of God. Christ, as the analogous stone craftsman, is the builder of this temple, while at the same time being its living stone and the cornerstone. So the question is, are you built upon the living stone and the cornerstone, or are you still found in the quarry? Next week, we will examine further the second chapter of First Peter in our episode titled, A Living Stone, A Chosen People, Part 2. Lay or download next week's episode where we will find greater definition of what a living stone is and who these chosen people are. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation 
are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you would want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titles, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our website is located at this address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.